Hello, this is Mike Ghetto and Steve Carpenter from Yakima Chief Hops. This is the 32nd and final episode of our podcast for 2018 in beer, baseball, and vines. Today we're very pleased to be joined by Matt DeLuca, who is the co-founder and head brewer of Castle Island Beer in Norwood, Massachusetts. And uh, the obvious reason we've got Matt and Castle Island on for our last episode is the Boston Red Sox have won the World Series this year. So welcome, Matt, and congratulations to you and all the Red Sox fans. Thanks. Thanks for having me. That was a really a wild year. And I, I think, you know, a lot of times uh, the winner of the World Series depends on who's playing well late. But I think this year, as a Seattle Mariner fan, I have to admit that Boston was the best team in the league this year and deserved to, to win it. And, uh, Matt, it had to be a, a wild weekend there in, uh, in the Boston area, I'm guessing. It, it, it was wild. It was also exhausting. Um, you know, being on the East Coast and, uh, you know, with these West Coast friendly games, you know, these aren't these games aren't starting till 8.09 p.m. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think anyone in the brewing industry can attest that um, more often than not, you're in pretty early. It's just sort of the nature of the business, especially on the production side of things. And uh, I'm just going to say I was very glad that that 18-inning game um, was on a Friday night because <laughs> I did not have to be here first thing in the morning. I was going to say, you could have actually gone from the t- tail end of that game right into your morning schedule almost if it was if you were working on Saturday, right? Pretty much. And, and uh, as much as I tried to just, you know, put the game out of my mind and fall asleep, I, it, I couldn't. I had one eye open the entire time. And... Um, you know, it, I wish that one ended in our favor, but, uh, you know, I, I knew that L.A. was going to at least get one. I honestly thought they were going to get maybe two or three, but um, I, I I was very confident in the Sox going into that series, just the way they handled Houston. Um, and I'm glad it worked out in our favor, you know, in five games, not really letting L.A. kind of build any momentum. Um, I think we really sort of put the nail in the coffin in game four. I think that was really the end of the series there. Um, but, yeah, it's a, it's a lot of baseball. Um, you know, those games, even if they wrap up in nine innings, tend to be grinders. Every pitch is huge, you know. So, yeah. you know, as a spectator, it can, it can get pretty, you know, yeah, like I said earlier, pretty exhausting, you know, by the time the series wraps up. Wraps up and that was just – World Series. I mean, that's not even including the divisional round and the conference round. Yeah, it's it's good it's good you to know, know that it's it's good to know that other people share my affliction because you just described uh, <laughs> almost uh, every Mariner game for the last twenty years for me. Uh, but yeah. uh, you, you know, the thing about the Red Sox, they've got a good young core. Yeah, this uh, this should be the beginning of a of a or maybe a continuation of a little run here for the Red Sox. Uh, with uh, Alex yeah, Cora I mean, at the at the helm. Yep, yep. Um, I I am really I was really excited to see Alex Cora come back to the Red Sox as as the manager. I was a big fan of him as an infielder um, back, uh, you know, when he was a player. And yeah, I mean the 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 farm talent that we've brought up, um, particularly Mookie Betts, Andrew Benintendi, um, et cetera, are. You know, really exciting players to watch, and 
really almost already become sort of superstar status in the baseball world here. And yeah, I mean, just looking them on, looking at them on paper, you can't help but feel confident about repeating next year. Um, the Yankees are always going to be tough, um, but I'm hoping that the way the Red Sox, you know, performed in that series, you know, sort of kind of sticks with them, and you know, the confidence remains, and and knowing that. You, know, you could have the biggest bats in the in the league, but it's really going to come down to to pitching and depth and just who wants it more. And you know, I think that was totally evident with Boston this year. Yeah, the Yankees had built uh, the back end, the the reliever core, really strongly. They had a great uh, back end, but they just couldn't get the front end going, and uh, that was their downfall. Yeah, yeah, I know. And and I don't know, you know, I don't know how much of that four game sweep that Boston, you know, Boston beat the Yankees four games back in I believe it was either early September or late August it was and um, that I think was sort of setting the tone for the postseason it and did yeah the, the Red Sox really did just fly through as you said the playoffs on the World Series there wasn't a, apart from that one 18 inning game that wasn't really a whole lot of tension quite frankly for the entire that entire run no I mean outside I mean yeah it, it's tough to it's it's well I should say it's easy to forget the fact that they did lose game one against the Astros. Mm-hmm. Um, there were some questionable calls. There were some you know some plays that you know could have gone in Boston's favor that may have changed the outcome of that game. But I mean they still were down 0-1. You know they lost that home game. Um, Houston finished their year strong and they obviously had been there before. So mm-hmm. as a as a as a fan I was very I was extremely nervous uh, about how the Red Sox would do down in Houston. Mm-hmm. Um, but the fact that we won three games down there um, yep. was, was huge. And yeah. I think that carried with them into the World Series for sure. I don't know. Where, where did Steve Pierce come from? I mean, that was, you know, a surprise. But he was obviously the MVP of the World Series. Where yeah, did he come from? I think uh, they picked him up yeah, from Toronto, uh, the, the Blue Jays, Toronto, I think. Toronto, by, by <coughs> means of uh, Tampa Bay, by means of New York, by means mm-hmm. of Baltimore. He's played with every AL East team. <laughs> yeah. uh, just the, 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 the truest sense of a journeyman player. And, um, you know, we've seen that type of player come through Boston in the past. Um, Mark Bellhorn, for example, is one I remember from 04, who not only did they lead the league in strikeouts that year, but actually had some really big hits, uh, clutch hits late in the postseason that helped Sox propel uh, them over the Cardinals. Um, you know, I don't know what it is. I, I think it's sort of, you know, I think Boston always has that sort of dirt dog mentality. And, uh, I think certain types of players really sort of, um, sort of, you know, excel here, despite maybe sort of just kind of drifting through the league their previous, you know, five to ten seasons. Um, that was amazing. I mean, what, what Steve Pierce did. And uh, he, he, he basically gave us a spark right away when, he came from Toronto, um, and uh, it really never let up. I mean, he clearly has pop in his bat and seems to be a great clubhouse guy. And um, I don't know what the rest of his contract with us is like. I don't know if he was basically just a 2018 rental or, if, you know, he's been signed on for multiple years, but I certainly hope to see him back. I mean, mm-hmm. it's well, hard to it's hard to let a World Series MVP go. <laughs> well, that, that home run he hit uh, Sunday night against uh, Kershaw in the first inning, that was yeah. that was it. You knew it was pretty much oh, over man. right then. Yeah. That was a dagger. I mean, yeah, I mean, you totally saw the air empty yep. out of 
Dodger Stadium after that. Yeah. I mean, they got a little life back with the uh, – I forget who hit the home Freeze run. Freeze hit the that. Yeah, there. yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Freeze. But, you know, and then but the Sox just kind of answered it. And, yeah, it was yeah. it was pretty much over from, you know, the get-go there. Hey, hey, Matt, speaking of winning, uh, congratulations on the uh, silver at the GABF for your American Law. That's right, yeah. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. yeah we were uh, very excited about that. I mean, it was our second year entering beers into the GABF. Um, first year we entered our lager in. Lager actually debuted as a core product for us back in April of this year. And um, we were really excited to see um, that beer medal for us. It actually did win gold in the U.S. Beer Open earlier this year, which is not as well-known as GABF, but it was definitely something that we were proud of. And, sure. Um, you know, I don't know how much that played into um, the judging, um, but I actually was not out there at the time. I got a call from Adam, my, my you know, we president co- other co-founder at castle island he was out there and i was at home we were literally in the middle of hosting my son's first birthday party out in the yard <laughs> and uh i got the call and kind of had to run over to the edge of the grass away from all the kids and just you know <laughs> some, uh, very you know <laughs> some some f yeah's into the woods uh, i don't think anyone noticed but that would have been a funny sight if you know if it, well, t- tell us li- tell us a little bit more about uh, how you got your brewery started, Matt, and uh, yeah, how did how did you end up being a, yeah. a, an award winning brewer? So, uh, we are we were founded back in late December of 2015. So we're going to be celebrating our third year of business uh, on December 11th. Technically, we um, Castle Island was basically became an idea on paper back in 2012 when Adam, my, my partner, started writing the business plan. He had been working and consulting um, since he graduated college and was always just fascinated in beer and brewing science and knew that he was really destined to open a brewery or work in beer versus, you know, sitting behind a desk. Um, he was in executive, comp- he was in executive compensation and you know, I think the day-to-day of that really was sort of just disenchanting. And um, He loved beer. He loved to cook and, and started doing his homework and started writing the business plan. I was, um, I, I was with Harpoon Brewing here in Boston. Mm-hmm. That's where I sort of um, began my career in, in beer. It was, I started with them shortly, right after college practically, and uh, had gotten a job on the bottling line and kind of worked my way up uh, as uh, to senior brewer um, in the span of a little over nine years. And um, that's right around the time when, when Adam was put in touch by a mutual friend and we just started sort of having informal discussions about, about the you know, local craft beer uh, market and the environment that we're in and that there was some, you know, I thought there were, we both thought that there was room for, um, beers that were not only consistent and high quality, but approachable. Um, you know, I think there started to become a disparity between your 
you know, your original gangster, uh, New England, you know, breweries that have been around since the 80s and, and early 90s, and now your sort of flashy, um, real sort of, um, you got like, then you got the other New England sort of IPA focused breweries that are doing really well and, and really becoming, you know, innovators and, and getting a lot of attention um, with, with what they're doing. And we felt that, you know, maybe we kind of bring it back a little bit and kind of start with the basics and, and create fresh, exciting brands, um, you know, without having to reinvent the wheel. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was sort of the general idea of, of Castle Island. Um, you know, we knew we wanted to primarily work in, in hop-focused, uh, with hop-focused recipes and, and, and styles. And, um, you know, our, 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 the first few beers out of the gate was a, was a session pale ale called Candleton, um, 4.4%, sort of right on the cusp of being, you know, uh, an IPA almost, but you can also call it a hoppy, you know, a dry hopped American mm-hmm. pale ale. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we, we made the decision to come out, you know, calling it a session ale. And then Keeper, which is um, sort of our bread and butter core, you know, American IPA that we do here. It's it's sort of a East Coast, West Coast hybrid IPA, although with all the East Coast IPAs that are coming out around us, Keeper, I think, as we progress, is kind of falling more and more into that West Coast category just mm-hmm. compared to a lot of the other options that are that are available out here where, you know, there is still some of that brightness to it. There is some of that real sort of dank and pine and, you know, a little bit of bitterness that you kind of still feel a little bit, although it's still very, it's still extremely balanced. Um, and uh, that's really been um, our high volume mover. And then since then we've introduced the lager, which I already mentioned, and then we also have a double IPA called High Death, which um, features a lot of Idaho 7 and Citra and Mosaic. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that comes in at 8.4%. Um, try to keep a little bit of haze to it, you know, really smooth, juicy. And um, that's been doing pretty well for us also um, as, as sort of a higher ABV option. And then, you know, we've done everything in between. You know, we, ha- we do have a five-barrel pilot system here that we utilize um, a lot. And, you know, we've done everything from porters and stouts, kettle sours, um, fruited IPAs, um, barrel-aged products, and, and, and beyond. Um, so, yeah, we, we, we try to have a, something for everyone here in our tap room, and um, um, I think that's one of the things we're pretty good at. We had, uh, Matt, we had a brewer on here a couple of podcasts ago uh, from Loma Brewing, and I don't know, I can't remember his name. He seemed to know a lot about the He's, Boston Red Sox. He was a Greek god of something or Greek, another. Greek god of something, <laughs> yeah. We, we had Kev, yeah. we had Kevin Euclid on, and, and that was a that was a blast. Um, yeah, yeah, I actually, I, I, Kevin probably wouldn't say he knows me, but I definitely know Kevin from my days <laughs> at Harpoon. Um, we met a few times. He he's come in to do uh, certain events and promotions, and um, I think that's when he was really kind of starting to get the craft beer bug. Yep. Um, he was sort of freshly retired from. Yankees, I believe, at that point, mm-hmm. um, and uh, he would come by the brewery from time to time, and um, yeah, um, I've, I've yet to have any Loma. Um, I know that they just uh, started distributing here in the Boston area, 
So you know, I'm excited to kind of get my hands on some of their product and to see what he's doing. Um, he, he sent yeah, up. How's, uh, how's it going? Is he? Uh, it's good here. Being in the industry, he, he's doing great. Um, he's uh, uh, the, the the beer that he sent up for us to drink during the podcast. I think it was Greek God of Hops. Right. Yeah. And it's kind of this <laughs> yeah. this hop cone with this beard and this bald head, and you can tell right away who uh, the Greek God of Hops is. But uh, yeah, he 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 did mention very fondly his his time in Boston and and hanging around with the folks at Harpoon. And uh, uh, so I, I, I assume that uh, you, you may have met at some point. And, uh, yeah, we, g- we've definitely um, crossed paths before. And, um, you know, it's always exciting. You know, Harpoon's such an established brand and, you know, a Boston staple. And um, I've, I've definitely seen uh, my fair share of, of local sports celebrities sort of um, in the halls there uh, during my time there. And, um, you know, that was always exciting. Um, mm-hmm. One, one of our... One of our early podcasts this year too is also with uh, Jim Cook and Boston Beer. So you're, yep. yeah, that's it's a good year to have three people associated with Boston and the Red Sox or that area yep. uh, on, on our podcast this year. So it Very, turned out uh, yeah, we, we were sure. following the right team. Yeah. How, how did you end up in uh, Norwood, and how, where did the name uh, Castle Island come from, Matt? Uh, so. Castle Island, actually, so the inspiration behind the name, uh, Castle Island is a now sort of um, recreational area in, in the, right in the city of Boston, in the South Boston neighborhood. Um, formerly, it was an island, um, you know, a couple centuries ago, and uh, it basically acted as a fort to protect Boston Harbor, I believe, Fort Independence, which is the name of the fort on, on the island uh, was built for the War of 1812. It's one of those classic sort of pentagonal-shaped, mm-hmm. you know, um, stone forts. And it would have all its, you know, the, the cannons sort of lined up facing the ocean. And, you know, our emblem, our logo is, is basically the, you know, the old cannon. And, you know, instead of the typical barrel of a cannon, it's a, it's a beer bottle, which... Mm-hmm. A lot of people kind of glaze over the first time they look at it, but then once you see it, you kind of can't shake it. <laughs> um, we, you know, Adam, my partner, lives footsteps from Castle Island. And if you're from New England, um, I think everyone's got a Castle Island story, you know, especially if you grew up in Massachusetts on the East Coast. Mm-hmm. You know, you were probably brought to Castle Island as a kid. Mm-hmm. Like I said, it's a recreational area now. There's some really nice walkways. There's a nice causeway that sort of jets off of it. There's um, a really great hamburger hot dog stand. That's a seasonal place that opens up in the spring. And, um, you know, it's just classic greasy um, hamburgers and hot dogs (laughs) and milkshakes. There's always a line out into the parking lot, but it moves quick. It's called Sully's. And um, it's just a nice place to go and to kind of take in the harbor and, nice you know get a nice view of the harbor islands and um and there's just a lot of history there and uh we felt that it was an appropriate name and um we ideally wanted to sort of be located in boston mm-hmm. and adam and i looked at several um locations within a variety of boston neighborhoods but we quickly realized that you know finding a industrial space that would suit our needs to be, you know, we, we wanted to be brewing to scale kind of right away. Um, there wasn't a lot of um, availability, or at least in our price range. 
Um, we felt, you know, we kind of started to realize that, you know, a startup manufacturing facility, um, you know, Boston may not be the most conducive choice. So we uh, ended up kind of looking outside of um, the Boston city limits and ended up just about 20 minutes south um, in this in a town called Norwood, which is, you know, right off Interstate 95. And uh, we found sort of the picture-perfect place. It was very turnkey. It, it had, you know, the, the overhead doors, uh, the outdoor space, it had the high ceilings. And um, we, we, we quickly realized that it was going to be a great town to do business in. Mm-hmm. And um, we signed a lease in June of 2015, and we were equipment started arriving between then and, uh, you know, right after that pretty much. And then by November of 2015, we were brewing our first batches and um, officially opened our doors with four products to introduce uh, on December 11th, 2015. Very cool. Have you, uh, either when you were at Harpoon or now with Castle Island, had a chance to come out to Yakima and see uh, the hops during the uh, the growing or the harvest season? I, I personally haven't yet. Um, we did send a couple guys out this year. We sent one of our QC techs and one of our sellermen out, and um, they were involved this year. They were out there for, I want to say, a period of about four or five days. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, they said they had a great time. Cool. Um, you know, one of them had been out there a couple times before, but, but the other hadn't. Um, and, yeah, I, I, I still haven't been able to. Um, unfortunately, a lot of my day-to-day is behind the desk mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and, and more sort of, you know, administrative stuff. But I do really look. I do look forward to getting out there, you know, next year or um, you know, sometime soon to kind of just get a better understanding of of what goes on. I mean, the guys came back with a lot of great, you know, footage and photos and stuff like that. Um, well, we believe our uh, yeah. No, I've yet to yet to have been up to the Pacific Northwest. And we believe uh, strongly our mission is to connect uh, growers with brewers and. Uh, we also have invited Kevin Euclid to come up, so maybe we can reconnect a brewer to brewer as well with you, and maybe get you guys to come out at the same time would be a lot of fun. Yeah, we'll yeah, pick up baseball like game. A, yeah, we'll get a yeah, wiffle ball a game ball going. going. Yeah, we'll get a wiffle yeah. ball game going. Yeah. That'd well, be great. well, Matt, thank you so much for uh, for taking time to uh, to spend uh, on our podcast, uh, spend time with us on our podcast. Uh, you know, we uh, again we. Uh, Wish you all the best uh, in Boston. A great year for the Red Sox, and really fascinating to hear all about your brewery. Yeah, no, um, the parade is happening as we speak, actually. All right. Thank you. Well, whether you're uh, brewing or watching baseball, we wish you nothing but good hops. We appreciate it, and thank you for supplying us, you know, with great hops. Um, You know, we look forward to continuing our relationship with you guys and um hopefully we get to meet in person soon hopefully on the diamond you got it see you next year in uh, yakima yeah looking forward to it great thanks guys you bet well steve uh (laughs) our last podcast uh it was quite a quite a baseball season not if you're a fan of the mariners or the twins like you and i uh but it was still a good season and as we've said several times over the last podcast it kind of came the ending came about as it should be the best team won and that's kind of what you want and they were a good group of p- players you know they're you know i mean guys like uh, vault even in the game he lost that uh, that 18 inning he pitched his heart out you could tell and uh, yep. price uh pitched 
tremendously well after a, a, a history of not doing so well in the, in the postseason then a journeyman player like Steve Pierce is the hero you got to love all of that about baseball you do and it's it's uh, the, the good thing about the season even the twins and the uh, Mariners had their had their high points that's right uh, and the yep. come behind wins and things that we remember from the season and uh, I think the same could be said of the hop season that's you right know, they, yep. the, the growers had their ups and downs as well yeah um, you can't control the weather. Uh, you can uh, only control what you can control, and very similar to baseball. Uh, it was uh, a good hop season. Um, we had uh, outstanding quality this year. Really happy that uh, um, our rejections were uh, minimal, yep. and uh, we really feel strongly that we uh, picked and are now processing a crop that's going to help our brewer customers make great beer. Mm-hmm. A lot of uh, uncertainty over where some of these free agents will land this year in baseball. I think in hops, the the biggest unknown next year has got to be what's going to happen with European weather. Yep. You know, uh, as we've talked several times, uh, this is now, this year was the fourth out of the last five years where there's been a, a problem with uh, production in Germany in particular. Uh, I was just in China Brew in Shanghai last week. And uh, had a chance to talk with some of the, uh, the the European hop growers and merchants, and uh, they're they're concerned. You know, it's been too many years. Uh, they're concerned by uh, both, um, you know, what's happening to the the climate, the weather, the the you know the rainfall patterns, the heat patterns. They're also concerned that uh, there is not enough money to reinvest in German hop production because. Farmers haven't been paid enough for for a long time. The farms are pretty small, and they're on on that generation where a lot of that farmer income is is earned off farm, not mm-hmm. from hops. Mm-hmm. And they're also worried about uh, you know a breeding program where there's not enough money to be able to reinvest in varieties that might be a little bit more resistant resistant to either heat or, or lack of water. And finally, they're worried about uh, the you know ongoing challenge when you're facing how to use scarce water resources between humans and agriculture. Yep. So they, they you know it's it's more of an existential structural challenge that they're looking at and uh, how it'll carry forward and then that obviously has implications for us here in in the United States and and our op growers. Yeah, and we'll have an opportunity here in a couple of weeks to do some networking with our German and uh, British friends mm-hmm. and uh, who grow hops. Uh, Certainly, we have a lot of customers that, uh, you know, prefer uh, some, some German hops and mm-hmm. their lager-style beers and U.K. hops and English-style lagers, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. So looking forward to uh, chatting with them and uh, brainstorming about what uh, how we can help to uh, make sure that uh, those industries stay viable. Right. And then for our own growers, we'll, you know, be reviewing overall hop uh, demand and what to be planting next year and what mix of hops to be planting and so on and uh, you know that's why it's good for us to have these uh, interactions with the with the brewers uh, both uh, you know through avenues like these podcasts more important when we get brewer customers to come visit us here in Yakima when our global sales team is out meeting them and then taking all of that information coming back and being able to sit down with our growers and uh, talk about that. And we also have a lot of brewers that are directly interacting with our growers during the whole growing season. That's a great part of uh, Yakima Chief is that ability to have that interaction. 
Yep, it's the beginning of the hop, hop season for uh, <laughs> both baseball and hops. So uh, uh, looking forward to do a little bit of planning and uh, see if we can't uh, get things right so that uh, our customers can keep making great beer. Well, it's been a lot of fun uh, this year, Steve. Uh, 32 episodes. I think we uh, we can fully depreciate our $200 worth of uh, uh, broadcast equipment. Uh, before we get off, really uh, thanks a lot to uh, to Alex Rummeltz, uh, our communications uh, manager, who's really uh, helped put all of these uh, podcasts together uh, and uh, take care of us and uh, clean up after us and get everybody organized for all of these interviews. So. Thank you, Alex, for a, a job well done. Uh, hopefully you've learned a little bit about uh, baseball, beer, and binds <laughs> this year as well. And uh, you're, our, apart from Steve and I, our one most faithful listener, I think. So <laughs> we appreciate it. Yep. Uh, we'll get him next year. You got it. Next All year. Right.